98K News. It's one o'clock. I'm Alex Price. The headlines. Demonstrators leave the main road outside government headquarters following an overnight sit-in. Carrie Lam faces growing calls to step down over her handling of the extradition saga. And pro-democracy activist Joshua Wong is released from prison. Anti-extradition protesters have voluntarily withdrawn from Harcourt Road, with police staying on the sidelines in stark contrast to the violent scenes on Wednesday, the left dozens injured. Wendy Wong reports. Hundreds of demonstrators had remained on Harcourt Road overnight after Sunday's huge march against the government's extradition bill. About 7am, a group of 200 police officers slowly walked down the road, stopped in front of the protesters and appealed to them to leave the area. Police negotiators said they were just inviting them to leave the occupied roads ahead of the morning rush hour, but they could continue the protest in areas not blocking traffic. But protesters responded with slogans, saying they would not leave until the government completely withdraws the extradition bill. After 45 minutes of failed negotiations, police left with the road still occupied. A few hours later, protesters started discussing among themselves whether they should leave. Some were worried they might lose public support if they blocked the roads for too long, but others insisted they should stay. Pro-democracy lawmaker Al Nokin came and encouraged protesters to leave. We can see that many of the police didn't force their action to try to clean up the Harcourt Road. That we have the query that whether they are trying to have the opinion battle, so that many of the protesters uh, decide to retreat uh, in order to show that uh, we are not trying to affect the transportation, uh, so that uh, we want our opinion are in the majority, uh, so that the pressure still on Caryland. Protesters finally cleared the barricades they set up on Harcourt Road and removed the rubbish. Many relocated to nearby Tamer Park and the protest area outside Lechco, where they continued to discuss the next step. Kingsway is a 20-year-old student. We are waiting for more people to come in, which is having enough rest and get enough strength to do what we're going to do next. We are considering maybe we are not going to retake the role, but it's still waiting for more people to come. Then the decision will depend on how many people we got. Led by police, traffic started flowing through Harcourt Road again at 11 a.m. Pan-Democrat legislator Charles Mock says the chief executive, Carrie Lam, has lost any remaining credibility to rule. Her proposal to amend the extradition laws has seen three large-scale protests in a week, with organisers estimating two million people joined yesterday's march. The record turnout forced a late apology from Mrs Lam. Mr Mock says when she addressed people on Saturday to announce that she would postpone the bill, she could have been less arrogant and apologise on the spot, and her failure to do so boosted yesterday's march turnout by 30 to 40%. Short of her resignation, she has to really do something about the key demand that we had yesterday, which are the withdrawal of the whole bill, which is a technical issue actually. But more importantly, in my mind, I think in most people's mind, is to seriously look into the kind of police tactic and police overreaction and even violence on last Wednesday. That is the kind of thing that is on everybody's mind. But unfortunately, she has said nothing about it. Liberal Party legislator Felix Chung says Mrs Lam has let everyone down. However, he doesn't think she should resign. The chief executive has 
do a lot more to respond to the general public. And how she is going to respond, I really have no idea. Of course, some people did ask her to resign, but I, I cannot see who is going or who is willing to pick up this job at this particular moment that she resigned. Demosisto leader Joshua Wong has been released from prison after serving a two-month jail term for its leading role in the pro-democracy Occupy protests in 2014. Speaking as he left the Lychee Cop Reception Centre, the 22-year-old thanked all those who took part in yesterday's protest. He said the government must revoke the classification of last Wednesday's clashes as a riot and Carrie Lam must step down and scrap the contentious bill. He also hoped people will continue their fight for democracy. I have no hope towards the government, but I have hope towards people. And we just realized how Hong Kong people, in the critical moment, they will try the best to join our fight. As we know that more than 20 activists are still locked up in prison. I'm lucky that today served all the jail sentence. I hope in the future, no more political prisoners will exist in Hong Kong. The Consumer Council is urging people to cut down on fatty baked foods after it found high amounts of trans fats in some popular products. The watchdog worked with the Centre for Food Safety in testing 75 samples, including biscuits, chicken pies and cakes from restaurants, takeaways and bakeries late last year. They found one in four products contained industrially produced trans fats, exceeding limits in Denmark, one of the few countries to have statutory standards for trans fats. Dr Henry Ng from the Centre for Food Safety says that consuming too much trans fat can increase the risk of developing heart disease. Trans fat, uh, no matter they are industrially produced or naturally occurring, they can uh, increase the bad cholesterol level. This bad cholesterol level can block the blood vessels. There is a uh, more increased risk of the uh, blood vessels being blocked. So there is uh, increased risk of the cardiovascular disease like the heart disease, coronary heart disease, and other blood vessels diseases. For example, uh, strokes can also occur. In overseas news, five candidates hoping to take over from Theresa May as the leader of Britain's governing Conservative Party and as Prime Minister have taken part in their first televised debate. The front-runner, Boris Johnson, didn't appear. The discussion was dominated by Britain's planned departure from the European Union. The sharpest exchanges were on the option of suspending Parliament to prevent it blocking a no-deal. The current Home Secretary, Sajid Javid, said this was unacceptable. You don't deliver on democracy by trashing democracy. You know, we're not selecting a dictator of our country. We're selecting a prime minister of one of the proudest parliamentary democracies in the world. I think to suggest that you would suspend parliament and put an end to our sovereign democracy just to suit some goal that hasn't really you know, to, to implement democracy is just not right. And we can't do that. Another contender, Rory Stewart, who has said he wouldn't serve in a Boris Johnson government, defended his pledge to rule out leaving without a deal. I think a no-deal Brexit is a complete nonsense. And the reason why it's a complete nonsense is it would be deeply damaging to our economy. So how does it work in the negotiation to say, negotiate with me, because if you don't give me the deal I want, I'm going to do something which I've just told you is going to be deeply damaging to my economy. <laughs> 
The head of Ethiopian Airlines has criticised a US congressman for saying that pilot error played a part in the crash which killed 157 people near Addis Ababa in March. The airline's chief executive, Tewald de Gebri Mariam, said an official investigation cleared the crew of the Boeing 737 MAX and said his company still enjoyed widespread confidence. We had overwhelming vote of confidence for our customers. Our customers knew that Ethiopian Airlines is world-class safety standard, so it was very overwhelming to receive the strong vote of confidence from all of our, our customers from Africa, Europe, Middle East, and uh, that also gave us a very strong uh, confidence to continue with our business. The Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu and the US Ambassador to Israel have attended a ceremony in the disputed Golan Heights region, naming a new town in honour of the US President. They unveiled a sign at the entrance of the as-yet-to-be-built community of Ramat Trump, or Trump Heights. The United States military says Iranian forces tried to shoot down one of their drones during the attack on two oil tankers in the Gulf of Oman last week. The U.S. Central Command said an Iranian missile was fired at the Reaper drone when it arrived on the scene, but missed. Iran has denied U.S. accusations that it was responsible for the attack on the two tankers. The U.S. Secretary of State, Mike Pompeo, insisted Washington has the right to defend itself. We always have the authorization to defend American interests. Remember, they now have attacked uh, U.S. aircraft. On June 6th, there was a missile fired from Yemen that we assess had Iranian assistance that took down an MQ-9 aircraft. These are attacks on fundamental international norms and now on American interests, and we always have the right to defend our country. Carol Gossen, the wife of the former Nissan chairman Carlos Gossen, said she's appealing to President Trump to apply pressure on Japan over her husband's legal battle. Mr Gossen was arrested in Tokyo in November and has been charged with financial crimes relating to his time in charge of the Nissan-Renault alliance. The world leaders are going to be meeting at the G20 at the end of the month. I'd like President Trump to... um to speak to uh, Prime Minister Abe about fair conditions, fair trial conditions, and to let me speak to my husband, and also to respect this presumption of innocence until proven guilty. And the group of 20 major economies have signed a commitment to reduce plastic waste. The agreement, reached by environment ministers in the Japanese town of Karizawa, commits the countries to reducing plastic waste, but gives little detail on how the voluntary plan would be done. The mayor of the US city of Phoenix has apologised after a phone footage went viral showing police threatening to shoot a young black family. Police were alerted after the family's four-year-old daughter allegedly took a one-dollar doll from a shop. In the video, at least one police officer can be heard screaming at the mother, who's holding a baby, pointing a gun at her and telling her to put her hands up. Argentina's energy minister, Gustavo Lopetegui, says a massive power failure that affected millions of people yesterday was an unprecedented event in a robust and stable energy network. What we know is that at 7.07 this morning, there was a failure in the coastal grid. Failures that occur frequently in the Argentine system, as well as any other country's system. That is not abnormal or extraordinary. What is abnormal and extraordinary and shouldn't happen is the following chain of events that caused all supplies to be cut off. 
Currencies now on the US dollar is trading at 108.58 yen. The euro stands at 1 US dollar and 12 cents, while the pound is worth 9 Hong Kong dollars and 86 cents. And a short time ago, the Hang Seng Index stood at 27,317, 186 points up on the previous close. And now, with a look at the latest sports news, here's Richard Pine. We start at Pebble Beach, where the American golfer Gary Woodland has won the U.S. Open. He played a final round of 69 to finish three strokes ahead of the world number one Brooks Kepka. Kepka was aiming to become the first man to win three successive Opens in more than a century. It's Woodland's first victory in one of the world's four major golf tournaments. In cricket, an estimated TV audience of one billion people watched India continue their excellent record against Pakistan at the world's biggest cricket tournament. They've beaten their fierce rivals by 89 runs at Old Trafford. Pakistan were set the target of 337, but collapsed to 166 for six before a rain delay saw their target revised to another 136 runs from 30 balls, a near impossible task. India had previously posted an impressive 336 for five, with Rohit Sharma's fine 140 and 77 from Virat Kohli. India's KL Rahul opened the batting and made 57. I've had to wait on the sidelines for a long time to get my opportunity to bat in the top order. Yeah, obviously, uh, look, uh, the talk obviously in the meetings was that we need to play out the first uh, few overs from Amir and Hassan or whoever starts the bowling. The new ball here in England with the conditions like that and the, the pitch has been under the cover for the last couple of days, so there was going to be a bit of help, so it was important for us to see that through and then once we saw that through, then, uh, you know, the way we batted to get to 3.30 on uh, wicket like this was great. In football, the defending Women's World Cup champions, the USA, have booked their place in the last 16 of the tournament after beating Chile 3-0. Buoyed from their record 13-0 win over Thailand last week, the United States started strongly in Paris. Carly Lloyd put them ahead after just 11 minutes. She's now become the first player to score in six straight Women's World Cup games. Julie Ertz got their second shortly after, before Lloyd made it 3-0 before the break. Sweden are also through to the last 16 after a 5-1 win over Thailand, who scored their first ever World Cup goal. Thailand striker Miranda Nild said their solitary goal was important for pride after that record thrashing by the United States in their opener. I think that's kind of just like our main goal. I think um, that we can get on the scoreboard will be great. We got on, we got on it uh, four years ago, so I think it's good to at least match pace from uh, the last one. I think uh, we definitely were more organized this round, and I think that's the reason why we were able to get a goal in the last few minutes, yeah. At the Copa America, Uruguay cruised to a comfortable 4-0 win over 10-man Ecuador in Belo Horizonte. There were goals for Uruguay's fearsome strike force of Edinson Cavani and Luis Suarez. Nicolas Lideros opened the scoring, while an own goal from Arturo Mina finished things off. Ecuador had Jose Quintero sent off in the 24th minute for elbowing Ladero. And earlier, Paraguay drew 2-2 with Qatar. Oscar Codoza opened the scoring for Paraguay from the spot after just four minutes, before Derlis Gonzalez doubled the lead just before the hour mark. But the Asian champions fought back. Almoaz Ali scored their first on 68 before Buloem Kuki equalised 13 minutes from time. And that's your look at sport. Thanks to Richard Pine there. And that's the latest news from RTHK. Plans of me and all your friends, I'm late again, I hate to keep you waiting 
Try to be a gentleman, got drunk again before I even made it. Try to call a car for you, you tired of me, I know you wouldn't take it. You walk to my little Louboutin and f*** up, you know that they're my favorite. But we dress up and play pretend that we act like we're good again. I do things I can't defend. And even when you hold it in But we just up 